You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. When I was a child, I was not an avid reader. As a young child, um, my mom would have me read, and I would read a, a Dr. Seuss book. You know, um, as, as an adult, you think, oh, Dr. Seuss books aren't that, that big. And then when you have a child and you start reading a Dr. Seuss book, you realize they go on forever. They're like 70 pages of nonsense rhymes, right? Um, and so I would read a little here and a little there. I was really bad in junior high and high school. I don't think I read um, an entire book my entire time that I was in junior high and high school. I read a lot of Cliff's Notes, a lot of yellow and black versions of books that I had to read so that I could pass tests and write papers on them. Um, but I never would really sit down and discipline myself to read. But there was one kind of book that I really enjoyed reading as a, as a, as a child, as an elementary school student. I would go to the school library, and, and I would try to check these books out. And I don't know if they still exist, or I'm sure they exist. I'm not sure if they're still being made. It's the choose-your-own-adventure books, right? Because a choose-your-own-adventure book, you get a book, and it's like, you know, 200 pages long. But it only takes you like 30 minutes to read it, right? Because you get to skip around... Uh, throughout the book. And the way the book works is you'll read a couple of pages and then you get to make a choice for what the character in the book is going to do. So, you know, you could go left and if you go left, turn to page 99. And if you go right, you know, go to page 27. And so you're always jumping around in the book and the story is different. Every time you read it, no matter what the decision you make, Every time, it can be a little bit different. I don't know how many different endings there are in those books, maybe just one or two. Um, But to get to that ending, you take a different path, uh, and it's kind of exciting because you feel like you have some uh, direction for where the story is going, right? For where the story is heading. And a lot of us, we we need to understand that our lives are much more choose-your-own-adventure books and a lot less novels that have been laid out before us. A lot of us live our lives as if um, whatever is going to happen is inevitably going to happen, and we live a very passive life uh, and not living a very uh, uh, volitional life where we choose what we're going to do. God lays before you choices every day, and every choice you make has some consequences. Some will be major consequences and some will be minor consequences, but your choices truly do matter. If you're a child here today, your choices that you're making today matter for the kind of adult that you're going to be in the future. You can't act like an idiot at six years old uh, your whole life uh, and then think that someday you're just going to turn it on and you're going to be a responsible adult who has exactly what you want. Right? Choices matter, and they add up. They're cumulative. They just keep piling on top of each other. And today we're going to look at the power of choosing. Right? So we're in Genesis chapter 9. We're finishing what we're doing in Genesis as a church um, uh, right here as we finish the story of Noah. Genesis chapter 9. We're in the second half of that starting in verse 18. And you remember the story. Uh, Noah was called out by God because he was an exceptional Person in a land of unrighteous and wicked people, Noah was somewhat righteous at least. And God says, uh, I want to rescue you from this impending judgment, this flood, this worldwide calamity. I want to rescue you from this event. 
build a boat and I'll, I'll put you, your family, and some animals on it, and y'all can get away uh, and start again afresh. And sure enough, that's what God does. Noah gets on the boat, the animals get on the boat, God shuts the door to the boat, and the world is totally and completely washed away. Right, Everything that once was, was no more. The waters go down, Noah gets off the boat, and then God and Noah um, have a time together where God makes a covenant to Noah to never again destroy the world by a flood again. And right after that, we pick up in verse 18. It says, The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark, who were on the ark with him, were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these, pe- from these, the people of the whole earth dispersed. That makes sense, right? That the three sons of Noah were the three, basically, fathers of humanity, right? Because there was no one left to father humanity except for these three boys and their wives. Now, Noah began, verse 20 says, to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank the wine, and he became drunk, and he lay uncovered in his tent, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it on both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. All right, this is this is the beginning of a story about choices, right? Noah gets off the boat. He has three sons with him, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is specifically mentioned every time you read about him uh, in the book of Genesis. It's like Ham was the father of Canaan. Ham was the father of Canaan. Ham was the father of Canaan. He might have had a hundred other kids. We don't know, but we know he had that kid because Canaan's going to matter, right? In the grand story of the Bible, Canaan as a people is going to matter. And so um, the, the, the person who compiled the book of Genesis uh, made sure to say, this is where the Canaanites came from. Their ancestor was this man, Ham. Now, Ham uh, is just uh, like the middle child, right? And we've got some middle kids in here, right? Y'all think like you just go under the radar and no one notices you, right? Um, youngest children, like we get away with everything. Oldest children are just kind of high strung, really, right? I mean, if we want to be honest about it, it's kind of high. So we got some oldest kids. And some of y'all are like, well, I'm like the eighth of 19, and I don't know what to do with you, okay? Um, but, 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 you know, Ham is the middle child. Uh, we don't know much about him. He's not featured in any other part of the Bible except this. This is the only story where he has any personality. And what we see is Ham makes a poor decision after his father makes a poor decision. Noah gets off the boat and it says he began to begin to become a man of the soil and he, he plants a vineyard and he, he takes the grapes and he ferments the grapes and then he gets drunk. Now getting drunk is, is pretty much always wrong, okay? You, you may say like, well, what about this situation? It, it's wrong, okay? Uh, I don't care what's going on in your world. Getting drunk is, is not a wise decision. In fact, I would go as far as to say it's a sinful decision. Baptists for a long time have been pretty anti-alcohol. That stance has softened to some degree, but the truth is, right, anything used to excess can be used for sin. And Noah took the grapes, took the wine, drank the wine, and got himself passed out drunk in his tent. And he wasn't just passed out drunk in his tent, he was passed out naked, drunk, 
in his tent. Some of you can, can relate to this. You're thinking back to your younger years. You're like, I've been there, right? Like, I've been in that exact... Some of you are like, that was Friday night for me. I was there. I just blacked out. If that's you, we're going to have a time of repentance at the end of the service for you, okay? Right? But, but, but some of you have experienced that. Some of you know some people uh, who are given to drinking a little bit, and they make bad decisions. I remember the first time I was around drunkenness in my life, I was like, I don't know, I was probably like 12 years old, maybe, maybe 11 years old. My parents drank, but very little, right? There was a liquor stored above the fridge. I knew where it was, but was never really tempted by it. But there wasn't like beer in the fridge or anything. My parents drank occasionally, very, very, very rarely, never really in front of me. And so I wasn't exposed to it much as a child. But my brother, my, my brother immediately above me, three years old, I mean, he's like 14, 15 years old, and his friend's parents had beer in their fridge. And so every like day or two, he would take a beer or two out of the fridge and, and stash it away. And so he came to my house with like 20-something beers for him and my brother to drink, and they drank 20-something beers, these two 14, 15-year-old boys. And if you're 14 or 15-year-old and you drink 20-something, or it's 10 apiece, like you're going to be in bad shape. And I'm over there, I'm playing Wing Commander 3 on the computer like the very good child that I am, right? Uh, that's a weird game, by the way, just, just to get not too far off track. But I'm playing the game, and I'm watching my brother, and, and I've never seen this. Like, I've never witnessed this in my life. And he is sloppy, and they're yelling and screaming, and they're trying to throw popcorn in the air and catch it. I remember it very vividly. And so, like, and if you're drunk, your, your coordination is not good, Okay. Catching popcorn in the air is not an easy thing to do anyways, um, but, but, but they were not succeeding at this game, right? They would throw it up, and they would stumble. It was really, really sad. And so then, uh, I think it was my, maybe it was my brother's friend, he took the whole bowl of popcorn and just threw it in the air and was like, ah, right? That was the only way he was successful, right, right? He was in a bad place. Right? Drinking, drinking to excess is a bad choice. And there was consequences for it. You know, the consequences for my brother, by the way, was his first date of his life was that evening. Right? And so he was, like, coming off of a terrible drinking experience. Like, a, and I don't know if that, that may not have been the first time my brother drank. The first time I witnessed it. He was coming off a terrible drinking experience to go on his first date with this girl. Guess what that relationship did? Not much. Not much. That, that relationship was doomed from the start, right? Choices have consequences, right? There's a consequence to the choice. Noah's consequence for getting drunk was he passed out naked in his tent. And this idea of nakedness is, is an idea of exposure. It's, it's a bad place to be, right? It's not where you want to be, is to be exposed. And Ham, we don't know why Ham was wandering in his, in his dad's tent. We don't know if he had business to go in there, or if he knew his dad was passed out drunk, and he just wanted to see what was going on with his passed out dad. We don't know the motivations for why Ham went into the tent, but we do know that when Ham saw his father's nakedness, he responded poorly. Right? He may not have had a, a chance to avoid witnessing what he saw, but he had a choice on what to do with that. And instead of, of like closing the tent and walking away, or behaving like his brothers did and covering his father up to, to give him some sort of modesty in that moment, instead of that, he goes outside to his two brothers and he says, Hey guys, guess what's going on? Right? Like he thinks he has this wonderful story to tell. He tells his two brothers, and his brothers probably reprimanded him, because you look at how they behaved, and they did the exact opposite 
of Ham, right? Ham, who saw and bragged and wanted to share about it. We don't know exactly what went on in that tent. If you read commentaries about what people think might have happened in that tent, it ranges from like Ham just seeing his dad to Ham castrating his dad, okay? That's the range of potential options of what happened in that tent. I don't know what happened. We're just going to say he saw him because that's literally what the scripture says. But, But it could mean a few other things. But instead of doing what Ham did, the brothers go in and with a great deal of reverence, right? They put the, 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 the robe, the, the blanket on their, on their back and they back up to their dad. And then they just throw it down on their dad, right? So that he's covered and they walk out because they want to preserve their dad's modesty. Life has choices. You have choices constantly about how you're going to behave in situations. You don't always choose the situation you're in, right? Sometimes you wander into a situation and in a moment you have to make a decision. Am I going to choose to be righteous or am I going to choose to be wicked? Am I going to choose sin in this situation? Am I going to choose righteousness in this situation? Maybe you're surrounded by people in your life and you have that choice and you just naturally choose sin, right? It comes sometimes. We feel pressure. We feel this desire to be accepted. We feel Um, That if we were to choose righteousness, we might offend someone in that moment. And so instead of being righteous, we say it's easier to be wicked because it doesn't make other people feel uncomfortable. Right? You know how many times I've chosen sin to keep someone else from feeling uncomfortable? Hundreds of times. Where I have personally thought, this is not the right thing, but the right thing would make for a very awkward exit for me. And so instead of being righteous, instead of, making, uh, my, 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 instead of making my friend uncomfortable, I'm going to choose wickedness in that moment. But I'm going to choose to look like this person and act like this person and talk like this person and joke like that. I'm going to choose to be this person because if I can be this person, they won't feel bad about their wickedness. That, that should not be. Clearly, that should not be. We should choose righteousness, but we have the choice before us all the time. And you have that choice. You know, the devil made me do it is not a valid argument. Temptation comes. Situations arrive. You don't make uh, all the things happen that happen around you, but your decision, your choice matters. And it matters to God, and it matters for your destiny in front of you. I did youth ministry for a long, long time, and one of the books that I read um, for youth ministry was was a book about um, young men and, and guarding their hearts for purity, right? To maintain uh, purity of mind and purity of body, so that they wouldn't um, wreck some of future parts of their life. And one of the things that that book pointed out, and once they pointed out, I thought, man, that is so true. Uh, there is a myth among young people. And I, and I use young people likely. It goes into college and even post-college because we have, we have 25-year-olds who aren't quite adults yet as far as um, making their own decisions and getting out on their own fully. Right? But, but there's a myth that, 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 that what you do early in your life does not affect what you can be late in your life. Uh, it's called the bifurcation myth, that, that, that there is a total divide at some point in your life and everything on this side of your life doesn't affect everything on this side of your life. 
But that is a total and complete mess. Every choice that you make as a young person affects who you can be and who you will be as you grow. And so you need to take seriously your choosing. You need to take seriously because you don't just wake up one day and choose to be something else. You are the sum of your choices. And it's difficult to pull out of that. Ham chose poorly, chose wickedly. His brother Shem and Japheth chose a righteous way in that situation. I'm sure it was uncomfortable to tell their brother that whatever he did was wicked and wrong and to reprimand him to go back and to take care of their father who was obviously in a wicked place himself at that moment. But they chose to be righteous, the only righteous ones in that moment. You know what's also interesting about this, just briefly, right? God has washed the whole world clean of sin and it doesn't take uh, but one season Right, one harvest for sin to come back in full force among the little, like, small population of humanity. Right, and that tells us a little about the heart of mankind. Right, we're wicked. We're naturally inclined to wickedness. It doesn't. We don't. We don't grow into it. We can't be washed away um, by some cataclysm. The only way that wickedness is truly removed is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And even then. It's only removed in the eyes of God because we still behave wickedly at times. But continuing on here, we all have choices. You can choose sin or choose righteousness. Noah, verse 24, says, When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers. And he also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan Be a servant and may God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. And after the flood, Noah lived another 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years and then he died. So Noah's off the boat. His son has just uh, violated his his personhood uh, in, in the tent there. He finds out about it when he wakes up and the consequences for sin are exposed, right? There's a, there's a, uh, the choice that was made determined the direction of these people's lives, and it did determine the directions of these three individuals' lives. Um, Shem, by the way, if you know, if you know much uh, or a lot about scripture, you know Shem is actually the, the son of the Semitic people, which would be um, Israel and Israel's close relatives, right? The people um, who came from Shem would be most closely related to Israel, right? And Japheth um, was another people group who was near Shem, lived around the people of Shem. And actually, as the blessing says, they'll dwell in the tents with Shem. They'll be allied together. They're going to be on the same team together. But Ham, Ham's children were children like Canaan. And it's kind of weird, right, that Canaan is the one that gets cursed, right? Because we don't even, Canaan is not the guy who's spying on his granddad, right? It's, it's his dad who does this. But, but there are consequences for sin. We don't know everything that Noah said when he awoke from his stupor and found out what was going on. Uh, the, the, the author of Genesis doesn't record every word. He records the important words that we need for life and instruction. So whatever happened to Ham was not important. But what happened to Canaan matters for the story of the Bible. And what matters in that situation is that Canaan was cursed because of his father's sin. Because his dad had chosen to live a sinful life, the descendants of, of Ham would suffer 
for that. We see that sometimes. We see generational consequences for sin. Right? You can see that. You can look across families and you see um, one bad actor in a family, one abusive father, one abusive mother, and then you look and you go down generations and you see, man, that carried on. Right? That, that one person who somehow something was wrong and then there was a great wickedness in them, they damaged that family for generations to come. Ham did that to his son. Canaan may have been a wicked person already, but the children of Canaan would turn out to be the most wicked people on earth. Read, read in Joshua, read in Judges, read what was going on uh, in the nations around where Israel was founded, the wickedness there, child sacrifice, um, cult prostitution, what was going on in the nation from the children of Ham and specifically Canaan's descendants was absolutely wicked. And that happened because there was a breach made, right? There was a choice that was made that led to consequences that could not be escaped. It isn't necessarily prophetic when Noah says this is what's going to happen. It's a paternal blessing. Um, But true enough, um, most of what Noah said should happen did happen. It was the consequences that God had ordained for the sin of the Father. Your choices determine the direction of your life. If you're not happy with where your life is at, the person you should be upset with is not your boss who passed you over for your job. It's not your dad because he didn't love you enough. It's not your church because we didn't help you the way you wanted to be helped. The person who is the problem in your life is the person who looks at you every morning in the mirror. It's you. Your life is your choices compounded together with the consequences that come from them. So if you're not happy with that person, when you look at that person in the mirror and you say, man, I'm not happy with where I'm at, you need to begin to make better choices. Other people can damage us. Other people can impact us, right? You can be a victim of someone else's crimes. But the truth is, if you're unhappy with the direction of your life, the primary actor is the person who looks at you in the mirror. When I get down on, uh, on myself and I begin to blame everything else, I'm reminded, my same brother who I told a story about earlier, keep, he's a manager now, he manages salespeople, and he keeps a little handheld mirror in his desk, just like a little vanity mirror. My brother is kind of vain, to be fair, right? But he doesn't use it to stare at himself all the time. He keeps a little vanity mirror in his desk. It was a gift um, that was given to him when he got promoted to manager and his salespeople will come to him with all of their problems, right? Like, well, you know, this guy's not doing this, and this is not this, and, right? And they've got all their problems, and everyone's got a story, right? Everyone who comes into his office for telling them why they're not doing their job to the degree they need to do it has a story, and it's always someone else's fault, always, right? I mean, and parents, we see this in our kids sometimes, always, well, you know, they did this or they did that. And there's always someone else's fault. When my brother hears those stories enough, he reaches down into his thing, and it's not the customer's fault, it's not the fulfillment center fault. He pulls out the mirror and he says, hey, this is your problem. And he points it at his salespeople. Right? The problem with why you're not closing this deal, the problem with why you're not succeeding in this area, is looking at you in the mirror. You 
are the problem. Guys, our choices have consequences, and you have choices that matter today. Whether you're the youngest person in this room or the oldest person in this room, you make choices today that matter for eternity. Your choices are real, and you can choose righteousness or sin, and your choices determine the direction of your life. So today, you need to choose. Will you be blessed like Shem and Japheth for righteousness, or will you choose to be cursed like Ham and Canaan for wickedness? I don't know about you, but if I had my choice between blessing and cursing, I would choose blessing every time, but sometimes it's not that simple. Choose today to do the right thing. And as you live a righteous life, as you live a life that... uh, Uh, shuns sin and embraces godliness god will bless you because god loves you and the way i know god loves you is because in a minute we're going to celebrate how much god loves you but he came to earth he sent his son to earth to die on the cross for your sins because you're special to him and if god loves you that much to send his son to earth to die in your place for sin that you committed I promise you, he loves you enough um, to bless you, to bless you today as you live for him. But if you choose to live a life pleasing other people, pleasing your sinful self, you're inviting the wrath of God on your life. And I would beg you, be careful about asking God to curse you. Let's pray.